I'm coming from my backyard right now, my very rustic back porch, because I've got house guests here. So apologies for overhead flying things, whether they be bugs or planes. But thrilled to have you guys. We hope that you guys are enjoying this once a month where Moira and I take on all the things that we're watching. And 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 I, I sometimes I think the fur is going to fly because Moira and I don't like the same things <laughs> as what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. And, and we said this all this week. We've said everybody's opinion is valid, right? As long as we're respectful. So mm-hmm. we won't throw anything at each other. But I think we have different tastes in things, as we will find out in just a minute. But as you mentioned, I'd love to start out. Which, by the way, you guys, we're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. Don't forget that the show podcast is a free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We love it when you guys download, share, like, review on iTunes. Oh, my gosh. A review on iTunes. I have a plane. Can you hear it? Yep. Is it is it super loud? Uh, I live by an airport. What can I say? Uh, but anyway, we love it when you guys review. So please, if you find things that you like here, uh, whether it's on this show or another show on the Autism Network, we love, 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 love reviews. Okay. But Moira, you are someone who has been very involved with Taka. Um, and tell them a little bit about what you do and then give us an update on what's going on. Refresh us on TACA. What's happening? Yeah. Um, TACA stands for the Autism Community in Action, and it's parents helping parents, caregivers helping caregivers. We're sharing information on how we can help our kiddos on the spectrum be the best they can be. You know, that's really the goal. Independence, health, happiness. Those are all the things we want for our kids. And there's a lot of different ways to to work a problem, right? Or an issue or an obstacle, you know? Um, so one of the things we do is we have these um, monthly learning series and we have a subject for every month. And right now, this month, it's puberty. So we've got two recorded seminars that are available for viewing as many times as you want through July 31st. You just have to register and you'll have that access. And then we also have two virtual parent meetings for support um, that are on the topic of puberty. So though the information for that's all on the website, um, check it out, join us if you can. Um, and then we are also having several in-person meetings now. We're starting slowly but surely to get back to doing that. We have something we call Coffee Talk, where uh, we have volunteers that sort of host these coffee talks. And they're basically, it's a sharing of information and a time to be able to go like, hey, I, I heard about this type of therapy. What is it? And what, is, you know, that kind of thing. And just sharing that kind of information. And that's exciting. So there's several of those. See if there's one near you. And then, of course, our conference coming up in October in Costa Mesa. Um, it is currently $89 per person. And it's a three-day conference with four tracks. Um, two and a half day, really. Um, and uh, the price will increase at the end of this month. So keep an eye out. But when you register, you will receive a coupon code for 25% off for a buddy or a co-caregiver or whomever you wish to give that to. Um, We also have scholarships if uh, money's tight and it's tight for a lot of us. Uh, We're happy to help with that. And then we're also vendored with regional centers. So lots of ways to get that. And, And it's it's exciting, you know, to be back in person. I'm a little, you know, I've got my fingers crossed real tight, you know, but, but yeah, it, you know, there's going to be a lot of topics covered, um, therapies, uh, treatments, adult issues, teen issues, all that kind of thing. So. There's nothing like a TACA conference. Let's just say that. And it, whether you are new to the community or your child was diagnosed 22 years ago, if you need your battery charge and you want to know what's going on and you want to be with a group of people who will accept you and love you and love on you and your child, then you should get yourself to a TACA conference. There, there is no conference that is more affordable than yours. And, and a lot of times I'm not a conference person. I'm just going to be honest. Like I just don't have the attention span to go. And it's, a, it's too much for me sensory and socially always to go to a conference and stay for three days. But a TACA conference is one where I add 
advocate going and staying for the three days. And yeah. now the planes got really busy. Sorry about that, you guys. But um, I, I love a good talk at conference. I have to be honest, I, um, uh, I'm not going to be at this one because I'm at a conference for caregivers. Or not for caregivers. Yours is for caregivers. Uh, for one for um, therapists and BCBAs. Ooh. Uh, at the same time. Otherwise, I would be at that TACA conference with bells on, literally. Yeah. Uh, so so you could find me. Um, but I, I so advocate for going. We, uh, we really, in COVID, pushed hard for families to go to the, uh, the, the virtual ones, Moira. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I said over and over to people, I'm telling you, if you go to a TACA conference, I promise you it will change your life. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you will get something that will change the direction that you're going for the better. And um, everybody wrote back who went and said, okay, I sort of doubted when you said that, Shannon, but that that's exactly what they found. That's good to hear. I'm going to share that with our staff because, you know, everybody works, everybody's so dedicated, works so hard to give a good space for people to come together and learn. And that, that warms my heart. And we had to pivot, like everybody had to pivot because of COVID. And honestly, it did open up a, a different world for us, which I think was a, a good thing in, a, in the long run. And yeah, and these, the recordings from the sessions will be available at some point after the conference as well. So if you register, you will have access to that. And then I believe we're working on a, you will be able to purchase them separately for a, a reduced price after the fact for a certain amount. So, but if you can go, go, and you'll be right there by Disneyland. I mean, yeah. it's it's the thing to do. Yes. Uh, unless you can't, in which case, you know, get the try to get the recordings. I think that that's super cool. And and of course, we showed Traven. He's so on it. He showed the website tacanow.org. But if you guys are listening, you didn't get to see it. Tacanow.org for more information about Taka and their conferences and their coffee talks and all of those things all of which are absolutely amazing. And I really encourage you guys to be involved in Taka. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. Really, really enjoy it. Okay. So now we get to talk about movies, which is the thing I look forward to and movies and television. We're talking about television as well. Um, and I, I find myself looking forward to this every month. It's sort of like my ice cream. Mm-hmm. It's my palate cleanse. It's my ice cream. It's my treat. Yeah. Um, that we get to do this Moira and that I get to do it with you. Cause I, I don't know about you guys, but I love it when people don't agree with me. I find that exciting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes you and I see, uh, these things alike Moira, and sometimes we are on the other side of the planet. Right. So we said we were going to start with one movie that both of us would agree to see. And I tried to watch it earlier in the month and I couldn't get my Apple TV to work cause it goes in and it goes out. I don't know with the internet. What is with the internet? But so I had to watch it late last night. So it's fresh in my mind. Do you want to tell them what what we agreed to watch? Sure. We agreed to watch Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which is, um, it's got Dakota Johnson, um, Cooper Rafe, and a uh, lovely gal, Vanessa Berghart, uh, in it. And it is, uh, it was on Apple TV, like you said. And um, it was, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll start. Um, I, I liked it and I didn't, you know, it was one of those, like, I didn't hate it, you know, but I was kind of like, you know, cause he, the guy, uh, the star Cooper Rafe, he wrote and directed and produced this and starred in it, you know, as well. So I'm like, and he's only 25. So ambitious young man, good for him. Um, uh, he looked a little older to me because he looks like Adam Scott and Adam Scott is older than him. So I was kind of like, he was playing a 22 year old just out of college. I don't know what to do with my life kind of guy. And I was like, okay, you know, and um, yeah, I felt like, you know, we were really watching a charming young man stumble his way through into a job and befriending this, you know, Dakota Johnson plays this melancholy kind of single mom of a, of a gal on the autism spectrum and he meets them at a bar mitzvah and, you know, and it was, you know, it was like, okay. You know, I was along for the ride. Um, but I also felt like, um, there was, they, they established, uh, that he does gain the trust of this young lady to the point where he, she allows him to scratch her back. He babysits her and he allows to, well, I shouldn't call it babysitting. He watches her. So the mom can have a break. 
and he scratches her back in the way that her mom normally does. And I know that was to symbolize, look, he's trustworthy and we like him. But I was like, eh, eh. I didn't, I, that made me uncomfortable. And I was not, and I know that that was not the intent and it was not meant to be uncomfortable. I know that it was this lovely, sweet, heartwarming moment, but I couldn't just, I couldn't let go of like, I wouldn't allow that. I'm sorry. You know, and, um, and that was the thing. Cause you know, as a parent of a special needs kiddo, there's a very short list of the people that you trust with your kiddo. I mean, even, even a, a typical child, it's, it's the same, but it's, yeah, it, there's such a layer. There's a layer of trust that I just don't have. So, <laughs> so that's that. But then I also felt it was a little, I don't know, it was a little self-congratulatory in a weird way. Like he was just so darn adorable, you know? And I was kind of like, okay. And I felt like, like that whole scene with the back scratching, weirdly enough, it reminded me there was a scene in there, something about Mary from a million years ago where um, there's a character who has special needs and who is very sensitive to having his ears touched. And it, they comedically have him have a reaction to that previously. So you know, don't touch his ears, you know, kind of thing. But at the end of the movie, the Ben Stiller character does touch his ears and he doesn't react. And that's like this sweet little moment of realizing, oh, you know, he's been accepted. So I feel like that was almost done a little better in that, in that scene unless, less creepy but what did you think i'm curious so it's so funny that you that you had this sort of uh, kind of reaction because everybody that i've talked to has either loved it mm-hmm. thought it was the most amazing thing or hated it mm. and and i gotta say that i was somewhere in the middle too mm-hmm. i thought it was kind of a quirky little independent um the thing that's really notable about this is that as you said this guy he's 25 years old he had a, a, a short film that won a film festival, South by Southwest. And then this was his second film and it won the audience favorite at Sundance. So you, you kind of have to go, okay, so what's that about? If it's the audience favorite Sundance, this, mm-hmm. I'm talking about cha-cha smooth, real right, smooth right. on the audience favorite. Um, and I, so I think that there were things about it that were super likable. Um, it definitely is one of those films that it, it's to showcase him. That's really what this film was about, was it about showcasing this very quirky young man, the way he sees the world. And it's about that time period. It's funny because you're going to talk about a film later on that I've seen your list that I super loved this year. That's about that time period too, when you haven't found the on-ramp onto your life and you don't quite know what to do next. And I think the film you're going to talk about does it better, but it's everybody's story, right? I think what, what people, what some people are responding to for this movie is that it's a very big deal in the movie that he is not just okay with spending time with a young girl who's on the spectrum. He's sort of thrilled by her. He, he thinks she's super. He loves her. You know, she has a quirk that she likes to collect antique potato mashers. And he thinks that's swell. And he's, but he's like this with everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's special and unique to her. He sort of kind of wants to know what makes people tick and what's going to make them happy. And he mm-hmm. doesn't quite know what to do with that in his life. Um, so I thought that that was an interesting thing that um, I loved seeing someone who just accepted someone who was on the spectrum, not more or less because they were on the spectrum. That part of it I super liked. I thought that Vanessa Burkhart was truly lovely in the film. And I, you know, some of the reviews that I read, somebody said, well, the autism community deserves better than this, that it should have been more about her. And I got to say, I I just want to say for a second that that ticks me off. Yeah. It really ticks me off because we need to be able to tell all stories, but it also ticks me off because there is a there is a series that was out from Amazon uh, called As We See It that just focused on three characters on the spectrum and a little bit their caregivers, but mostly on those three characters that were they did it exactly right. They cast it authentically. And I've been on a soapbox for the last month trying to gain support because it's been canceled. And and I and I can't even get the autism community to sign a petition asking Amazon to rethink it. So I, I just say to people, I don't know what it is you want 
Right. Um, but you should figure it out because I think the entertainment world is almost done with, with, with everybody complaining constantly, no matter how someone is depicted with autism. Well, and I think this is the thing, I, you probably have noticed this too, because it's such a spectrum and because it's so, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, well, that's not my autism. Is right. What, I think people look at the, a depiction and think that's not my autism, so therefore, and I'm like, well, it's all flavors, it's all, you know, yeah. so we need to like, and I think having as many stories as possible that are inclusive, yeah, it's always a good thing. Always and I, I loved that I'm not the biggest um, Dakota Johnson fan. To me, she's like the um, Harrison Ford of acting that they're, they're just, forgive me if you love these people, I'm sorry. They just, they're very compelling on camera mm -hmm. and, they, and they can sit there and breathe and water their eyes. And it's very compelling. I watch and I'm compelled, um, but they just don't do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Like I would ever love for Dakota Johnson to say anything that's not a whisper. Um, but I'll watch her. She sits there. She's beautiful. She's compelling on camera, but she, she just sits there and does very, the mo most minute amount of stuff. I thought that there were some great supporting actors. Like I thought Leslie Mann was fabulous. And I want to say this out loud, Brad Garrett, I thought delivered one of the best things I've ever seen him do, mm -hmm. um, playing the, the stepdad, because I thought it was nuanced and I thought it was, Brad Garrett playing the straight man, which we don't see a lot. I just mm -hmm. thought it was delightful. Um, so I thought a lot of the supporting actors were doing a, a great job and that it was totally watchable. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it was Coda. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, mm -hmm. I didn't change my mind about a whole lot, but I will say that I, I loved that the mom was very clear that while her life was difficult, she constantly would say, it's not because of my daughter. Right. It's not because of my daughter. It's uh -huh. because other things, which I think we can all relate to. And right. and was it me that when I saw the trailer, I thought it was her sister. Did Dakota Johnson seem a little young to be this this teenager's mom? She she did. She did a little. And I did. I think I had that impression as well, that it was her sister instead of, uh, you know, and because it, it looked like they could have. And that's the thing. He looks a little bit older and she's very young looking. So they could have actually you know, it wouldn't have been inappropriate, but I yeah. think we're supposed to think it was inappropriate. Exactly. The movie yeah. hinges on the fact that they can't be together because of the age disparity between the two right. of them. And right. he looks a smidge older than her. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. 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 Odd, odd stuff. So, yeah. okay. Moving on. So moving on, let's get to, uh, there were two things that I really disliked. <laughs> And you always have more to say about the stuff you don't like, right? Right, right, but right, right, right. Since we're talking about Dakota Johnson, one of them was Persuasion, which is the newest adaptation uh, that Netflix has done of uh, Jane Austen's book. And um, I just think, ugh, I think it was Netflix trying really hard to make Jane Austen acceptable for the Bridgerton crowd. And I am a Bridgerton crowd person and I'm a Jane Austen person and I watch them for different reasons. And so I feel like they just, they just took everything I loved about Jane Austen away, <laughs> basically. Like the, um, the language had been kind of stripped from it and the, the sort of uptight aspect of society kind of seemed to be loosened, which is that's what it's all about in, in those, those uh, that genre. And it, one of the things they said, like, well, if you're a five in London, you're a 10 in Bath, you know, so it was really cheeky. And, um, and then one of the things she said was, we, we were worse than strangers. We were exes. And I'm like, exes. Okay. But the original line is now they were as strangers, worse than strangers, or they could never become acquainted. I mean, the language is just gorgeous. So yeah. I'm like, why did you do that to me? And, um, and, wow. uh, and attention kind of went away. A lot of times, I think I don't dislike Dakota Johnson. I'm like you. I think I'm charmed by her. I don't know that she's like the most amazing thing, but I think she's lovely and she's watchable. She's compelling. But I felt like she was miscast in this. I felt, and also they did the, I loved Fleabag. I don't know if you ever saw Fleabag. But oh, there's a love, love, love. Fleabag. Um, saw it like twice. Um, but uh, they did the talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall thing. Yes. Yes. And 
it's she handles the comedy of that very well but it it was i don't know it just ended up being a little gimmicky and um i thought that uh richard e grant uh was fabulous because he always is and then i don't know remember the actress that played the younger sister that had all the maladies and was such a pain she was she like stole every scene she was in you know <laughs> so that was interesting but yeah she she's an internal character Anne elliot and i thought the speaking to the screen might you know might work to get her inner workings but it ended up being just very winky and also lots of anachronisms she had her hair down a lot of the time at one point she lifted up her dress to where you could see her her stockinged legs to like fix her shoe and i'm like oh you know wow. <laughs> yeah you would never this, 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 no this would not happen so uh you know and i'm not a purist i don't mind but i'm also like you got to recognize the you know where you are and in fact after i watched this i immediately rewatched sense and sensibility because i was like this is what i wanted to see and i didn't get to see it so i i did that so that was a bummer my second bummer movie was jurassic world dominion now, this surprises me because I know how much you were looking forward to this, and I've not seen it yet. I was very much looking forward to it, but I felt like this was a blatant money grab of a film. Like, let's get, let's get the, let's squeeze the last bits of, you know, dimes and nickels out of this franchise. And I don't care. I love sequels. I don't mind it. I, I like the franchise, and you're always upping the ante, and they made it a global issue. The opening montage was fabulous because it was kind of showing here's this world now where the dinosaurs are everywhere. Now we're all dealing with it and here's what's happening. And I thought that was kind of the direction they were going to go in, but they didn't. And um, they brought back the three actors from the original film, which I thought, wow, that'll be fun. And then it was like, mm, they didn't really do much. There, um, there were people they introduced that I'm like, who is this person and why do I care about them? You know, so <laughs> It was kind of confused and I and and sadly it was actually kind of boring and I was like that's not what you want from you want a roller coaster you want to be like oh people are in peril scary dinosaur blah 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 and it just I don't know the some of the action sequences were kind of confused and it almost looked like they were not occupying the same space the humans and the dinosaurs and I'm like is that like did they cheap out on the CGI I don't I don't know it was just I mean, I did watch it at home, so maybe in the theater that was a different experience. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't even remember much of the plot. I thought something about a baby velociraptor and a giant locust and Campbell Scott was in it. And, but it was also about corporate greed and human genetic engineering. But I think Universal Pictures is the, the corporate greed people in this one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm I'm so surprised. When I saw that on your list, I was like, "Hey, wait a second. I I like I thought she was looking forward to this." Well, mm -hmm. so and so for both of these were on my list and now they're a little less on my list. Mm -hmm. Uh and then on my no list, I I think there it's no big surprise. Um well, I mean, maybe one of the things on my list was on your wow list last mm -hmm. month that yes. I specifically I specifically went and watched Under the Banner of Heaven. Because mm -hmm. I, I said to Jim, oh, I didn't even know about this. I love Andrew Garfield. Um, and it's a, you know, a detective thing, which he's really into. It's, it's set in Mormon land, 1980, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I thought, uh, you know, this, this is going to be my thing. Oh my gosh. I just can't even tell you how much I hated it. Mm -hmm. uh, I just hated it, hated it, hated it. I even did a review of it. You guys can check it out on greateragency.com. But I, I hated it. I, and I mentioned this to you when you did the review that I have a lot of friends who are Mormon that are LDS. And I spent time, I taught at BYU for a while. I spent time living in Utah. I, I've never been LDS. I'm not a Mormon. So it's not like I'm tied to anything, but I, I believe in being respectful. And it seems like to me that the person who wrote this had a bone to pick and mm -hmm. they really wanted to make sure that they made that whole religion look bad. And there were choices that were made in the direction that were just, I'm not a prude. I'm not a prude at all. Um, but there are things to me that are just wildly, wildly inappropriate. For instance, you know, you can have nudity in a film and if it belongs in the film, I'm really there. I really hate it when there's gratuitous nudity and especially when it's female gratuitous nudity. Mm -hmm. it, it cheeses me off because you know what happens? It pulls me out of the movie 
And I'm thinking about the actress who had to make the decision to say yay or nay to this. And I know too many people that have been through that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there, but there's a moment in the, this is just one example of many where, um, for those of you who don't know, at certain echelons of, if you're very devout in, in the Mormon religion, there are specific underwear that you wear closest to your body because it's sacred. It's mm -hmm. sacred. And that's a really important thing. And they show a scene with the husband and the wife in their sacred underwear. And then they show her take it off to be naked for a second to come in the shower with him. There's really no reason for it whatsoever that yeah. we didn't like show the underwear and then cut away. There was no, but it, it was almost like a big middle finger to the Mormon. And that I couldn't get past it, but the story wasn't for me by the time, you know, it's a murder mystery. And by the time they get to the end where they're going to reveal who really did it, I didn't care. Yeah. I was like, they all are horrible people mm -hmm. and, and they're all, and you're manipulating me. And I really, I was, I was fatutz by the whole thing and I did watch the whole thing. So, um, well, you know, it's funny because I hadn't finished it when we talked about it before. Oh. But aggressively, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. And the screenwriter is the same guy that wrote milk and he, mm -hmm. What I can see, I think it was an intentional. I didn't know this before either. Um, he was a gay, is a gay man, and I think yeah. he had a very difficult time being gay and being in the Mormon Church. And I think, yeah, I think he's got an axe to grind. And I, you know, totally does. And and that's fine. That's your story. I'm just telling yeah. you how to enjoy it. Um, and then the other one, I may have even mentioned it last time. We watched. I love Chris Pine. Me too. Oh, I just love Chris Pine. I would watch Chris Pine read the phone book. And so I did watch this. And mm -hmm. watching Chris Pine read the phone book would have been more interesting than this movie. The controller. <laughs> uh, the contract. Uh, what is it? The contractor. It's just, I don't know. I don't understand managers of people. Why Chris Pine? Sometimes they get him really good things. And then other times they do not get him good things. And Chris Pine, you should fire your manager. This, <laughs> this really, this really was a film that was supposed to be set up to make him look good. It didn't. It's, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like I understand Chris Pine better than his manager does. <laughs> um, I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not a manager and I'm not available, Chris, if you want me to be your manager, but if you want me to read scripts for you and give you thumbs up or thumbs down, I'm, I could make myself available for that because I truly love you. And this was a waste of your time. And mm -hmm. it was confusing and boring and stupid and ridiculous. And yeah, I didn't care for it at all, but ask mm -hmm. me how I really felt. <laughs> big no, big no. Okay. Shall we move on to meh? Meh. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, the what I have, I have uh, on my list, Loot, which is the, um, in Apple, Apple TV, um, Maya Rudolph. And I may, I actually watched another episode last night and laughed out loud. So now I'm like, oh, maybe it needed time to get its legs. I don't know. She's charming. And I think that I would just watch her as well, you know, because I'm like, ah, I just like her. Um, and then, but I do like seeing Adam Scott, as I mentioned him earlier, um, and, uh, as a jerky rich guy, I think that's a really good fit for him. Um, but I don't feel compelled to binge it. And I feel like that's an interesting aspect of our virtual world now is what things would you binge, you know, and like a weekend, spend a weekend just burning through cause you're just so into it versus what things are you like, oh, I can't wait till HBO releases another Game of Thrones episode or whatever, you know, when they're releasing it one by one. And what stuff gets lost in the shuffle? And I think, had I, not, you know, I think this might have gotten lost in the shuffle, but I kind of went back to it. So I'm like, well, I should give it one more try before I talk to Shannon about it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I sort of feel like for the meh category, it's, it's some of the, I, I'm going to talk about things that I, I quite enjoyed, but they weren't things that I would go wow over. Yes. But, right. So Matt is somewhere yes, in the middle. Not, I liked it. Yeah. Not a totally negative. Yeah. Well, in the same with marry me, I, I feel the same way. I felt like it was kind of exactly as advertised and that was fine, you know, but I think that I love rom-coms. I think that it's really hard to do a rom-com. And I think that you have to have so many things working correctly. You have to have the chemistry between your stars. They have to have good comedic timing. There has to be funny things about the story as well as the, the spark between the two. 
And I felt like they were both really super charming and I liked them, but I didn't see a spark. And it wasn't funny, particularly. It wasn't not funny. It wasn't a drama, but it wasn't, you know, but I, I'm a JLo fan. I like her, so um, I'm okay. But like I said, it was a, a lovely and ultimately kind of forgettable, but inoffensive was the way I described it. And I was, it made me think of, um, I watched uh, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, Tatum in uh, The Lost City and enjoyed that much more in terms of this genre. It, it leaned more strongly into the comedy. Um, and I don't know there was much spark between Sandra Bullock and, and Channing Tatum, but it was very sweet. The two of them were very sweet together. So anyway, so rom-coms hard and I'm, I'm hard on the rom-coms. <laughs> So uh, my meh category is, is uh, a little bit larger than yours because mm -hmm. I sort of went down the J-hole, uh, J-lo rabbit hole. That, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's where I went that I, um, I don't know why, cause I like a good documentary and I, I saw halftime yeah, and, I I, and, I, yeah. and I thought, I want to see that. And, and I put on halftime and then I couldn't stop watching it. Mm. And I, I gotta say, I am neither a JLo fan or somebody who disses JLo. I, you know, I like her, but I don't go, oh, JLo's in that. I gotta watch it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, and I loved her. I feel like I got to know her better on American Idol when she was on American Idol and I was a bigger fan. I think I just missed like all of the things that she did from being the big JLo fan that a lot of my friends are. But, mm -hmm. but so I watched halftime and I, I just thought, wow, that's sort of amazing that she's just, she's turning 50 mm -hmm. on the, in the documentary. You saw it. And, yeah. um, and I, and I love that it was called halftime that she's 50 and she was doing the halftime show. I don't watch football. Didn't watch the halftime show. Didn't, wasn't mm -hmm. really aware of the fact I, I knew that she was doing the halftime show, but wasn't aware of what the, what the theme was, any of that. Um, and I, what I thought it was, as a documentary, well, I found it interesting. I couldn't stop watching it. And I, what it did was it made me kind of understand JLo's plight a little mm -hmm. bit more than I previously had. And it made me a little bit more on her side, which I think is what it wanted to do. Right. And I think it set her up to be looked at for Academy Award status. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, I felt like it was a big long commercial saying you should not rule her out. Right. Right. So then so after watching it, I was like, well, I was going to watch marry me. I guess I'll go watch marry me. And as soon as I was done with marry me, I said, okay, now I got to go watch, watch Hustler. hustlers mm -hmm. um, to see, you know, to see all of these things. And I got to say, so I put them in the meh category for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that she deserved an Academy Award nomination for Hustlers, but I'm going to I agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely think that she did. And I think she got gypped out of it for various and sundry reasons that they talk about in halftime. But I'm going to say that the thing that's wrong with Hustlers is the script is weak and it was partially written by the director. So the director couldn't compensate for what was weak in the script because it was hers. Right. And so J-Lo, I've already spoke to Chris Pine, J-Lo, we need to have a conversation. You need to pick a little bit more carefully, either have a different director than the writer so that they can see the mistakes in the writing. But there were big mistakes in the writing that present, prevented this film from doing what it should have. And it's a waste because J-Lo put it all on the line to do this movie. She did. She did. Yeah. And they, they kept comparing it to um, Goodfellas. And I'm like, not quite. But I'm like, but I... I also thought to myself, I see why they're comparing it to it, but it didn't quite, it didn't quite get there. But yeah, I, I thought she was amazing, you know? Well, all of the women in it, and it was, I, you know, everybody should go watch it because Lizzo is in it. Cardi B is in it. Getting to see all of the dancers, the cameos in it are just insane. They're just really, really wonderful. And Constance Wu is really good in it, but you will see that in the the whole thing is sort of told in these flashbacks because there's a they're doing an interview and and so Constance Wu goes back in 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 flashbacks to talk about meeting JLo's character but mm -hmm. there but there is 
all this, you're waiting for this big reveal about why JLo's character is this horrible, horrible person. And I, and I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but the script is, is El Toro poo poo <laughs> in this respect. Um, it, it is it was horribly bad. Mm-hmm. And, and is, and it did JLo wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, but anyway, and I really enjoyed marry me. I thought that marry me was super cute. I don't understand the Owen Wilson thing. I just have never understood it uh, never, ever. And I think he, he's another one that he's certainly charming and he's different. Um, but I, if, if he had not had the roommate that he had in college, I don't think he ever would have gotten an, in any film ever because he's so quirky um and it sometimes for me it's just hard to get past that to get to the point where i really truly believe that he's head over heels for somebody he's so busy playing that you know um so i agree with you i didn't think the chemistry was quite there mm-hmm. but i think all three of those Lo movies are worth watching and mm-hmm. then of course my last in the meh category not hating but not absolutely wowing about is Marcel the shell with shoes on. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, this used to be a short. There were three shorts and they should have staged shorts. Uh, it is cuter than cute can be. It's absolutely delightful. The message is wonderful. It's way too long. It's mm-hmm. way too indulgent. Um, I love uh, what's her name? Jenny Slate, who does the voice who's been in a, been in a couple of movies that I have loved in the last two months. I think she's one of the most versatile up and coming actresses we have. And she does, she does the voice of Marcel and, and it's just adorable, but it's not a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an, it's an adult movie with adult things. Kids won't sit for it. Mm. It's cute as a button, but to ask, it's a long movie and to ask adults to sit and be cute for that long. It's just, it's a short, it's a short, but they decided to make it a full length feature. God bless you. Stay assured. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah. But it was cute. But it was cute. It was cute. so cute. You have diabetes by the end. <laughs> um, but I can only handle so much of that. It's like having cotton candy for your appetizer, your m- meal, yeah. and then they offer it for dessert and you go, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There's that. All right. So Moving next on. is our wow category. And um, I, mine, I loved uh, the worst person in the world. I thought that was fantastic. I had heard a lot about it. I think you actually had said how amazing it is. It's for those that don't know, it's in Norwegian. So you will be reading subtitles. There's nudity. It's an adult grown-up film. Um, It is so good. And at the beginning, we're told it's in 12 chapters with a prologue and an epilogue. So they kind of set you up for that. And the prologue was so reminiscent of Woody Allen that I was actually a little worried there might be an inappropriate age gap with, you know, like, is this, you know, because she's like you said, exactly. She's experiencing what the character in Cha-Cha Real Smooth is, which is I'm in college. I don't know what to do. And then she tries on all these different things and you see this montage of her figuring it out. And then all of a sudden you're at a different point in her life where she's like, trying to figure out like am I a grown-up now do I need to make these you know big life-changing decisions for family for whatever and it was so interesting and in a way she could be kind of labeled as the manic pixie dream girl you know because she's you know whimsical but um but the the actress Renata I don't know how to say it Rydensev um she manages to keep the character of Julie grounded and I think that was an amazing feet even in her most kind of what the heck is going on here moments um she knows who she is and this character knows who she is and knows what she will or will not put up with but she just doesn't know what her life is supposed to be so that was that was kind of cool and um uh one review i read of it mentioned that it might be a little bit of the male perspective of a woman's experience because it was written by a man but i think i don't know i think she did a great job of like I was there for it and I thought she was fabulous. And there were some really great magical movie moments where you're inside a really crazy drug trip and you're like, what is going on with that? 
And then also a literal and figurative light bulb moment that I think is just magical, movie magic at its best. Um, I just thought it was, you know, great. And it was much more successful than Cha Cha Real Smooth and, you know, a whole other league. You know, so I, I I really enjoyed that one. That was I a- loved it was one of my favorite movies of, of the last season and I was lobbying hard. I thought it should have won best foreign language film. It did not because that car movie won, um, which you know, hop put to to the car, um, which was way too long. I absolutely thought it was one of the best things that came out. Well, it makes year. me want to watch this director's other two films because they said Jochen Jochen Trier this is kind of the third of his kind of accidental Oslo trilogy. And I'm like, okay, well, I might have to watch the other ones. Yeah, me too. She's in one of the other ones. So I might, oh, I might do that. I loved it. Loved it. It was, uh, it so was great. And I thought some of the imagery in that was so bold that I've never yeah. seen before. And I was like, oh, I love this. You know, I loved it. Just, yeah, very good. Can I tell you, I watched it the same week that I watched West Side Story and everybody hated the fact that I was so hard on West Side Story because I was like, look, in this movie, you've got this many seconds Mm -hmm. to make lightning happen between these two characters. And and if you don't make that lightning happen in that first little scene, then I'm not going to believe everything that happens after that. And everybody's like, well, it's written, right, whatever. And in this movie, there is a in in um, the worst person in the world. There is a scene where where she meets someone, mm-hmm. and and it's maybe six minutes long or less. And and it, woo, it builds it's it builds beautifully, and it's like wow, it was so odd, and it was so yes. yeah yeah it was yeah. it was so well done, and you could have not liked either one of them because of the yeah. you know what, but you did, and you know I don't. Oh. I, very well done. But I loved can't it. Enough. And the other one I loved was uh, Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. And that's my, I love Emma Thompson. Amazing, as usual. Anything she is in, I'll watch. Daryl McCormick is the uh, gentleman that plays Leo Grande. And he is one to watch. He's, I think he's, I mean, not only is he incredibly handsome, he had a, a wonderful subtlety to his performance that I very much enjoyed. The film, you know, it's focusing, I think it's going to be considered really brave and groundbreaking because it's focusing on a newly widowed woman in her 60s who's trying to figure out how to, be, how to have an orgasm, you know, sexual sat- satisfaction. And there's also a, a very vulnerable nude scene in it of, of uh, Emma Thompson. And I'm like, I, I wish that wasn't considered so brave. I just wish we were just covering these stories. But again, it's it's. I'm glad we're doing this great storytelling. Um, it's very much structured like the play because I kind of felt like I was watching a play. All the action takes place in a um, hotel room where they meet. And um, I looked it up and it was not a play. So I'm like, okay, because it could have been. And um, each interaction, each session where they're together and it, it it progresses so beautifully and the, the back and forth between the two of them is great. Um, and, uh, you know, she decides to hire a sex worker and he is her sex worker that, uh, you know, just sort of do all the things she didn't get a chance to do before. And, um, she describes her marriage as comfortable, but lonely. It sounded kind of lonely. Um, and she's a retired religion teacher who actually spoke to her students about the ethics of, sex work and everything but also admits to kind of shaming the girls for wearing short skirts and being a little bit of a little bit of a prude and so it's a great arc to see her go you know kind of come to herself you know and um the speech there's a speech uh, that leo makes about what he gets out of being a sex worker and it reminded me of the speech in american gigolo where richard Gere talks about working you know why he does the work but American Gigolo speech was more about because I'm this good and I can do this is why I should do it. Whereas um, Leo seemed to have a talent to actually see his clients and know who they were. And he's a lovely character. I, you know, I don't know if he's, I mean, I'd love to think he was real, but I kind of feel like he's like the perfect, but there's a moment where you see a vulnerability and I, you know, it's, I loved it. And I, you know, I'm just glad and I want, yeah, we need to not be squeamish about talking about these things, right? 
I really want to see it and I want to see it more now that you've talked about it. Mm -hmm. So for my wow categories, and I sort of teased this last month because I had just seen the movie before we um, came and so I didn't have my thoughts together, but I got to make sure that I say that it's definitely a wow for me for the everything, everywhere, all at the same time. Mm -hmm. What an amazing tour de force that film is. And and actually, both of the films that I'm going to talk about, I got to say, and this is a part now of whenever I'm watching films, because I don't know if you saw the documentary um, called This Changes Everything. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And, yes. And I and every time I watch a movie now, I, I always come to a movie as a woman watching. Uh, I come as a mom watching. And um, I look at things in a different way, having seen that documentary that that's made by, help me, what's, who's the actress? Um, uh, Gina Davis. Thank you. Um, yeah. That that she's done a lot of research on gender studies in film and paid a lot of money to have that research done. And you would think it would be changing things, but it isn't fast enough. But both of the, both of my wows, I feel like are part of the change. So everything, everywhere, all at the same time, all at once, excuse me, Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see, and I'm going to slaughter her name, Michelle Yeoh, who has been around, done a lot of things, is an amazing actress in her late 50s, mm-hmm. is the lead of this action hero film. And mm-hmm. she does a lot of her own stunts in it. It's absolutely amazing. And then a lot of times her foil in a lot of the scenes, uh, sometimes playing the villain and sometimes not playing the villain is Jamie Lee Curtis, who is also not in her 20s anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, to see these two women, you know, when we were when we were told that uh, Wonder Woman 84 was coming out and that it was going to be, uh, why I'm blanking on Kristen Wiig and... Fabulous. Who's the woman who plays Wonder Woman? Al Gadot or Gadot? Oh, yeah, Al Gadot. And that that they they were going to play the two superheroes against each other. I I was so looking forward to it. I was looking for that moment, like when Gal Gadot went across the 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 field. Uh, right? like, yes, right? uh-huh. I was looking for that. And then and it had Chris Pine, and yet the whole thing was a ginormous, you know, like throw it. It, it doesn't even belong in the horse poop pile, right? <laughs> but but everything. Uh, everywhere all at once was what I had hoped that that movie would be, but, but times 754 million, it is the most empowering, I think, film for women that I've seen in a long time, whether it's, you know, the story or the, the actresses and what they're doing, uh, amazing, but it's also cutting, cutting edge filmmaking, storytelling. It's it's not a movie you can watch once. It's a movie that you're going to have to watch like 22 times to catch all the nuance in it, but it's worth it. I absolutely love it. And Jenny Slate is in it too. And you almost wouldn't recognize her in it. um, Because a lot of times she plays the quirky, not beautiful. She plays the beautiful girl in it. And I was like, is that Jenny Slate? Totally wonderful seeing her do that as well. Great very small cast, but everybody who's in it is on point. They must have had so much fun on that set and, and so much creativity. Absolutely, absolutely love it. Make sure you guys see it because it's available widely now. Yeah. Um, and then the other one we just watched last night, The Sea Beast. Hmm. And I had heard some good things about it. It's on Netflix right now. It is a family-friendly film, so you can watch this with the kiddos. And I just loved the message and the thesis of this film so hard. I watched it with my entire family, plus my two um, grandnieces that are staying with us. And everybody loved it. We talked, had this big conversation afterwards about what we got out of it. And everybody got something on a different level. It just stunningly, it's beautiful. My husband kept saying, oh my gosh, it's just so beautiful. But I also loved the way women are depicted in this film. Oh my gosh. Um, so love, 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 loved this, loved the message. I also think that it says something really important. We are in such a cancel culture now about, well, let's find one thing, you know, and look, there are some people that need to be canceled, but it's like, let's go look at heroes that we, we had and look at everything that they did and then we'll cancel and do all this. And I think this, this film has a really important message, um, because at one point the, the star of it 
and it, and it reoccurs throughout the whole film, but she, and it's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling everything. She says, maybe it's possible to be a hero and still make mistakes. Still make mistakes. Love it. Love it. Maybe, maybe both of those things are possible and, mm-hmm. or, and still be wrong. She says, mm-hmm. and still be wrong. Um, I, I, I think there's an important message about, we've all been told this, but maybe it's not the truth. Um, but the message about how women are depicted is off the charts. So much of the time we see, you know, okay, so there's a, a female lead in an animated uh, film and we go, oh, well, good. And it's and the message isn't always there. This is on point. Love it. Wonderful. I'm excited. Cause that Jurassic world was our family movie that we all watched and my son enjoyed it but you know he's he enjoys the dinosaurs so he's happy for that but it's so nice when i find a movie where we can all actually really authentically enjoy and um yeah. that's it sounds like that could be it you we know all we're leaning yeah. forward all yeah. of us so okay. yeah okay right. so now moving forward uh, with looking at the, what are you looking forward to watching? What's on your list? I put on a couple of things. I put Don't Make Me Go, which is a, a film with uh, John Cho. And it looks like it's a father-daughter road trip. And it looks emotional. And I love John Cho. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going on that one. Um, the Woman King, Viola Davis, based on a, a real events. And uh, it's about fierce, all-female warriors in 1800s Dahomey. So I'm like... I want to see that. And I think this is where um, the Black Panther, uh, the inspiration for the, the women guard that uh, guard the Black Panther. Um, so I really, I'm interested in that. And I love Viola Davis. And then Gentleman Jack, we actually started it. And um, it it also does the breaking the fourth wall flea bag thing. And it is a period piece, but it just, it does it so much better <laughs> than Persuasion did. And I'm very much enjoying it. And it's, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, it's fun. So very doing cool. that so far. So those yeah. are mine. Have you watched the Viola Davis with Oprah yet? The interview? I did. I oh. did. She's amazing. I saw a while back, wasn't it? Because I feel like oh. it's been a while. I it's been my- a while. It's been yeah. a hot minute. But oh my gosh, if people haven't seen that. Oh my gosh. Viola Davis just does not know how to hold back, man. She's mm-hmm. an all or nothing actress, all or nothing in that interview. It's that's life changing. Listening yeah. to her talk. Ooh, yeah. that, that it took me a while to get over it. I kept talking to people for days. I, I just kept talking about, it. but okay. So my looking forward, um, I still, I said this last time, I'm still trying to get my body to Elvis. Um, I'm, I am a Baz Luhrmann fan. And I am too. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I rewatched, uh, Australia recently to remind myself why I'm a Baz Luhrmann fan. So I really want to see Elvis. I've heard good reviews and bad reviews, but I really, really want to see Elvis. I also have not yet seen Lightyear and I'm going to get myself to the movie theater to see Lightyear. Mm-hmm. I, and again, I've heard a lot of things, mostly good, but a little bit of people not liking, um, and I, strangely enough, I want to see the gray man. I'm not sure why I want to see the gray man, but I've seen a preview of it and I know that I want to see it. Hmm. Okay. So, I haven't even heard of that. Okay. Well, it's, it's coming out. Like I want to say today, tomorrow, whenever, very soon. And it's going to be in the movies and stream at the same time. I kind of love that when they give us the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely, absolutely love. I do want to say too, I'm a big fan of shorts and tomorrow, today, when this airs today, they start the Los Angeles shorts festival here in Los Angeles. And in the very first block of films that's showing at one o'clock today, when you guys see this, uh, one of our regulars here on the show, Spencer Hart is featured in a film that's playing in LA shorts. I can't wait to see it and see her and celebrate her. You guys can watch her and our stories from the spectrum. She has a a little interview show that she's doing there, short interviews, but um, the first episode heart to heart Mm -hmm. uh, just aired. And and you guys can watch that on our stories from the spectrum. I love shorts. Do you love shorts? I do. We actually own all the Disney Pixar shorts on, on Blu-ray, you know, I mean, now we have the Disney channel, so we have them there too, but yeah, I, I love, I think it's a special 
talent to write a short and make it powerful, you know, and uh, emotional. I yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, we oh, actually. Yeah, we had the we had the director of Loop, one of the Pixar shorts that had to do with a nonverbal character, um, mm -hmm. that and she did uh, did the show with us, and it was so much. I I don't think anybody does shorts as well as Pixar because they invest in it. Yes. They have a they have a program where artists can flush out ideas and they sort of have an incubator, mm -hmm. if you will, um, to do shorts, which I think helps them to go into their full length films. And it's right. part of why Pixar does it so well. The farm team, they're building their, they're yeah. building their future storytellers for feature length. And yeah. in fact, I believe one of the gals from uh, the Red Panda, um, Red, that, that movie right. had been, uh, yes, as well, and she—that was wonderful. So. I had to think. It's Erica Milsom that was on with us from Loop. She was just oh. amazing. Um, yes. So, and I think she's been she's she's just been finishing a documentary about Disney and about one aspect of it, and I can't remember what. Hmm. But I love I love shorts, and there are so many different categories for shorts, right? Because there's documentary short, there's mm -hmm. animated short. There's live action short, and then there's one more. Why can't I think what it is? But I, I absolutely um, enjoy it. Uh, and I love every year there comes a day when after the nominations have come out where they will just play them back to back in the movie theater. And you can we did that one year back in the day before kids. <laughs> yeah. But afterwards, after the Academy Awards are over, they will offer it online. So mm -hmm. if you're interested at all in in watching um, the shorts this year, I was so excited that Riz Ahmed finally won his Oscar for his short called The Long Goodbye, which if you guys have not seen, it's I don't think it's longer than 10 minutes. It's like the best 10 minutes you could spend Need to, to watch, watch a short. Oh, I love him. I just think he is, I don't know if you saw the night of, that was the first time I was, I, I was introduced to him and I went, who is this kid? He's fabulous. And then of course, uh, sound of metal. Um, yes. he was amazing. And then he was in a star Wars. He was in Rogue one. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and then, but it was almost like I said, you know, it was like Riz Ahmed was like, I'm going to win an Oscar in 2022 because I didn't win one in 2021 for Sound of Metal mm -hmm. because he was also a producer for Flea, which yeah. was up for best documentary, which, which was up for best, right? Yes, unbelievable. Uh, Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so a lot of people thought, but you know, he was up in so many categories for flea. And I, and I knew that there was just like a, in each category, there was a film who was going to edge him out, but I, I like, there was no way he wasn't going to win for best short. His was by far the best. There were so many good shorts this year. I, I was just amazed, but mm -hmm. we're, we're about out of time here. Um, so I just want to say that um, for people who are interested in more information, Moira is very active in Taka and tell them how they would find more information about what you do at Taka. Um, well, it's, all, it's on the website, but also my Taka email is my first name, Moira at TakaNow.org. And I'm, you know, shoot, I'm, I'm better with email. So, you know, that's you something you can always shoot me an email and say hello. I can, you know, there, like, like I said, there's tons of info on our website. So, you know, it'll take you forever to go through it all. There's so much. So, yeah. There we go. And and I now review regularly as a plane is about to go over. I, I review regularly and you can find my reviews either on my Facebook because I usually share them or they're on braideragency.com. Um, so uh, if you're interested and mine are always short. They're never longer than a three minute read because I just, who has the time? And, yeah. and I can tell you, like when I'm speaking verbally, it takes me an hour to tell you, but if I'm writing, I can tell you in 30 seconds, did I like it? Did I, did I want to flush it down the toilet or was it really good? And you should watch it. So go. Moira, I so enjoy this. I know this is my treat every, um, every month. I'm, I'm here for it. I am here okay. for it. So we'll be back in August. And if there's something that you guys particularly want us to watch, we will take requests. I would. If we can find it. Yeah. If we can find it.
mm-hmm. uh, if we're able to see it uh, with schedule allows. Right. Uh, but thank you so much for being with us tomorrow on the show. You guys are going to see stories from the spectrum uh, again, and you can watch Spencer Hart and, and who is featured in the LA shorts. Uh, so we hope that you'll check that out. And then we will be back live with a show on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Thank you so much for being here, Moira. My pleasure. Bye-bye for now. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.